Welcome to Open-Minded Healing, where the topic is alternative health. We will be having conversations with the practitioners that offer a variety of alternative healing modalities, as well as everyday people who have recovered their health outside of the MD's office. Join us with an open mind for conversations that may provide solutions to healing your own body on a mental, physical, and spiritual level. I'm Marla Miller. Let's begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Open-Minded Healing. Today, I'll be speaking to my guest, Dr. Mike Van Thielen, about our immune system and how we can optimize it. Dr. Mike has over three decades of involvement with best optimal practices, anti-aging and regenerative medicine, sports performance, nutrition, and biohacking strategies. Welcome, Dr. Mike. Thank you for having me, Marla. It's a pleasure being here. You are an expert, I would say, on the immune system, as well as many other things. But today we're going to dial into the immune system. Do you want to start by saying why in current time our immune system is under attack more so than maybe it was in the past? Yeah, of course, especially now. It's also the reason why I wrote the book during the pandemic, because everybody had all those questions and obviously... They were pushing or talking about making this vaccine and whether you're pro or anti-vaccine doesn't really matter because our immune system is really our innate weapon against any pathogens, viruses, or antigens. And so I thought it was a great time to educate people on the immune system because we all use that word immune system, but most people don't really know what that is. If we talk about the heart, we can you know, visualize an organ and exactly know what it looks like. When we talk about immune system, most people don't really know what it is or what that comprises of. And there's actually six components to that immune system. And once you understand the six components of the immune system and also understand that it's actually basically two immune systems that work in synergy, then we can start understanding what we need to do to optimize that system so we can prevent the diseases of the 21st century and be bulletproof against them. So when you talk about two immune systems, what are you referring to? Well, I'm talking about our innate immune system, which basically is the immune system that we're born with that is not specific, that is also called the cell-mediated immune system. So what that means, it's our first response against something that's formed that comes into the body. For example, our tonsils, our skin that holds out bacteria, viruses, and antigens, our white blood cells that go to the side to try to fight infections, our killer cells, our T cells. So that's a general response. And usually during that initial response, we feel sick for seven to 10 days. We have fever, we don't feel well, we have a poor appetite, and those types of things, right? And so that's the attempt of our body to uh, kill that new pathogen or antigen. And so that's our first immune system called cell-mediated or innate immune system. The second one is the humoral immune system or what we also call our antibody immune system because now our body is going to identify a protein that's specific to this specific pathogen, virus, bacteria, antigen, whatever you want to call it. And so the next time we are exposed to that same exact pathogen, we bypass that first immune system, the innate or cell-mediated immune system, 
and we immediately have an antibody that was generated to neutralize that same pathogen that we were exposed to before. And so that's a little bit the premise of the vaccines also, but obviously Mother Nature knew exactly what she was doing in that we need to be exposed to it by our innate immune system, then we will get a more effective system against that same pathogen. But if viruses or bacteria, if they mutate, like our flu does every year, then those vaccines are not very effective. At the same time, when we stop using our innate immune system, it becomes weak, it becomes non-responsive. And so by those types of things like vaccines, we just make ourselves weaker And that's why also we always need boosters, because if we are exposed to it naturally, we never need a booster. Our body knows exactly what to do each and every time. But when we bypass part of the system, there's no lasting results, and that calls then for boosters. But when those two immune systems, the innate or cell-mediated and humoral or antibody type of system work in synergy, then we cannot get sick from any form outside pathogens. So people in general, especially people that get sick every year or pretty often, there's a breakdown in their immune system in one of those areas. I'm also curious because you mentioned the tonsils. That is a part of the immune system defense. So a lot of people get their tonsils removed. It's the same as the gallbladder, right? Something's inflamed a little bit, it hurts. And so then the conventional medicine doctor says, oh, it has no use. Let's just take it out so it can't get inflamed again next winter, right? So that's a very drastic measure for an inflammation. If your heart's inflamed, I don't think anybody's going to take it out, right? But it's this ignorance of thinking that those things are there for no reason. Just like the gallbladder, millions of gallbladders are taken out every year because they're inflamed, they're swollen. That's what they see on the ultrasound. And then uh, they take it out anyway because they're in, so they may as well take it out. The truth is, obviously, if they take it out, they can build another coat, which makes a lot more money than just doing the explorative diagnostic. But they don't tell any of those patients that without a gallbladder, you cannot break down omega-3s, which are your healthy fats, which affect your brain, which promote dementia and Alzheimer. If you can't replace the good fats in your brain, you will get all kinds of digestive disorders. The gallbladder is the helper of the liver. So now the liver suddenly gets an overload. The gallbladder emulsifies our foods so the liver and our intestines can process them easier. That doesn't happen. So the other organs have to compensate. They're going to wear out more. They wear out faster. There are going to be some problems. So nobody pictures the long-term effects or the adjustment in diet that those people would have to go through by doing that. And with the tonsils, it's the same thing. Yeah, they're there, but they're there to catch dust, catch particles that we don't want to inhale, we don't want to get in our lungs and our system. That's why they're there. When they get inflamed, you already are in a weak state, in a weak immune system. You're already in a position where your body can't handle inflammation or can't heal itself. And so the solution should go back to the basics and be healthy and fortify your immune system versus just taking something away that will yet compromise your immune system even more. Yes, I totally agree with you on that. So if someone has had their gallbladder out, for example, is there anything they can do? Would it just be to strengthen the other areas of their immune system? Or is there anything in particular for the gallbladder that 
they should do. No, they... not really. Once it's out, you're missing that organ. So then all the compensation kicks in because obviously our body always strives for perfect health and it will compensate until it can't anymore. But it's just this extra burden on the system and the inability to break down certain healthy foods that we need in our body and our brain. So no, that's very difficult. The things that can be done is bypass the digestive system with certain nutrients that we need that can get absorbed on a cellular level. So now we're talking about compensation could be done through the use of IV therapy, maybe subdormal or topical things, maybe sublingual. So, you know, in those cases, now we're going to have to bypass the digestive system in order to deliver essential nutrients to the brain or to the body on a cellular level. So those omega-3s in particular, what would be the best way to get that without a gallbladder? Yeah, well, you know, that's the difficult part because omega-3s, we can't inject those. <laughs> we can't inject those. We can't IV those, right? So again, it's a problem. You just can't reverse that. You can't buy a new gallbladder. And so people just need to be a little bit more careful listening to those doctors that uh, unfortunately are either not educated about it themselves or have other ulterior motives in mind, meaning paying off their mortgage from their nice house on the river or the beach. But regardless the situation, there's millions of gallbladders in the United States taking out every single year, millions. Yeah. It's, it's craziness. Yeah. yeah, it is just getting rid of truly the symptom rather than the problem. When they remove the tonsil, they remove the gallbladder. Yes. Well, I'm glad you're here to clear all this up. So people maybe choose a different route if they still have the chance. Yes. Inflammation can be cleared up pretty easily in our body, right? If you upgrade your diet, if you take anti-inflammatory supplements, if you avoid pro-inflammatory foods and drinks and supplements, you know, you can turn things around pretty quickly if you get the right coach or guide or mentor, or if you do your own research, because it's all out there for us to do and implement. Yeah. Well, so you talked about six parts of the immune system. Can you go over those? Yes, I certainly can do that. So obviously, the first part of our immune system, I would say, is our lymphatic system, which most people know is a, a network of our organs, tissues, vessels, and nodes. And they transport the lymph fluid, but the lymph fluid transports our white blood cells. And so most people don't know that, right? So our lymph system then becomes very important, bringing those white blood cells to wherever they need to go to kill those pathogens. So that's number one. Number two is our white blood cells or lymphocytes themselves, because they search and destroy pathogens and orchestrate the immune response, as we know. And they originate from the bone marrow. And they either stay there or they mature into B cells or they go to the thymus glands and then they mature into T cells, right? So B cells, if you think of it, those are the army or the military's intelligence system. They basically find their targets and set the defenses to lock into them. And then the T cells are the soldiers. They go to that location and destroy the invaders, right? So that's number two, your white blood cells. Number three would be our respiratory system, which we just talked about, the tonsils, but it includes the mouth, the pharynx, the larynx, the trachea, and the lungs, of course. As everybody knows, they're taking oxygen and expel carbon dioxide. But most important to know is that these airways are covered in a mucus layer that is designed to trap foreign particles and pathogens before they can reach the lungs. And so they are called cilia. They are basically hair-thin, tiny muscles that propel that mucus layer. And the best example is smokers, right? Smokers destroy those cilia or those hairs, and then the mucus can't move. 
and then the mucus collect in their lungs and then they can't breathe and they get all these respiratory diseases. But again, the mucus and the cilia are there for a reason is to catch those pathogens and to expel them versus driving them further into the lungs. So number three is the respiratory system. Number four is the spleen. The spleen's function is to store white blood cells and platelets, filters the blood and recycles red blood cells. The spleen itself also helps fight certain types of bacteria. So the spleen mostly stores those white blood cells. The lymphatic system moves them to the target areas. Number five, then, is our skin. Everybody knows that our skin is our largest organ, and it acts as a barrier against the external environment. Again, people don't realize, but the immune system of the skin contains approximately 20 billion T-cells. So those are soldiers standing on the wall, right? Wow, yeah. Ready to neutralize those invaders. And then number six is the most important part. It's the gut. Many people say that 60, 70% of our immune system is in the gut. It's our microbiome. Mm -hmm. And our microbiome harbors many kinds of bacteria, flora, and other organisms. So it's the good bacteria or the anaerobic bacteria that counteract or neutralize the bad bacteria in our gut. And so it's the acidity of the gut. It's the good flora in our gut that really yet again neutralizes the bad bacteria kills them so they don't end up in our bloodstream and moving around, going to the cells and causing, obviously, havoc and disease. So those are the six components, and we need to address each of those six components in our immune system and therefore prevent disease. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's interesting to hear it laid out like that, all six components. So going back to the first component, what are things we can do to improve our lymph system? I've heard of lymph massages. Uh, Well, you got one right there. So people need to think that our body is a plumbing system. It simply is our circulatory system and our lymph system. Think of it as a plumbing system. So number one, we need to hydrate because otherwise things clog up. We need to drink enough water so things flow and don't aggregate and build up, right? That's number one. And then number two is movement. If we sit still, things become stagnant. So we need water and movement. Movement doesn't mean exercise. People don't like that word exercise. It doesn't mean you need to play organized sports. It doesn't mean you have to go to the gym and compete with those big muscle uh, guys standing in the mirror. No, movement (laughs) means exactly that, moving, not sitting still, whether that's just walking around in your living room, if that's all you can do, going out for a walk, playing with the kids, go dancing, walk on the beach. It does not matter. It's movement because movement is oxygenation and circulation. And that's the key to health. And again, when we move and when we hydrate, our lymphatic system stays clear. It doesn't clog up. It can bring those white blood cells wherever it needs to go. And so that's kind of the key. And besides that general idea of movement, you mentioned massage is key because massage is what? It's moving. You can move your lymph nodes, you can move your circulations, you relax your muscles. If muscles are tight, they impair movement, right? They shock the circulation. So movement and exercise, another way that I like is vibration or rebounding. Again, it's a little bit investment, but you have those vibration platforms, those power plates. It's high-frequency vibration. You just stand on them. And the good ones shake the cells on the cellular level. It's movement all through your body, right? So what Uh, is that? What is the electric plate 
it's a power plate or a vibration platform. You can look those up. There's good ones out there like power plates. Vibrogenics is the most expensive one. I wouldn't look at that one. But it's basically a, a device that you can put at home. And it's a plate. You stand up, you push the button, and it shakes and you can increase the frequency, but standing up, it moves everything in your body, right? Oh, okay. Uh, many times they're sold as weight loss devices because, again, movement starts many different metabolic processes. So it could help with weight loss, but I look at it more as a device for moving your circulation, moving your lymphatic system, and preventing stagnation and blockage. Okay. I've so, also heard of using a mini trampoline to yes, jump exactly in the morning. Right. Yes, that might be a cheaper place. option. Anything movement, <laughs> right? And if you don't want to be bored or if you don't want to go outside or you live up north and it's winter, yeah, mini trampoline, vibration platforms, all those types of things. And then another thing when you do uh, belly breathing versus shallow chest breathing, your circulatory and lymphatic system get this pressure and release from your diaphragm. So proper breathing techniques also will help moving that lymphatic system. That's good to know. Is there any other way to help your lymph system? Uh, yes. The clothing we wear, and especially women, I'm thinking about their lymphatic system. There's many lymph nodes in the chest area, under the armpit. And so when you wear bras and a very tight fit clothing, you're actually choking those systems, circulatory and lymphatic system. So it would be helpful to wear loose clothing when it comes to your circulation and your lymphatic system. And then there's obviously herbs and supplements that would help drain your lymph system. For example, astragalus, ginger roots, burdock roots, a lot of roots, ocotillo stem, red roots, sheep sorrel, even turkey rhubarb. Those are all herbs that have been proven in scientific research to help with lymphatic flow. Well, that's good to know all the specifics there. Yes. So then the second part of our immune system how can we address that? What are some sort of hacks for that? Yeah, it's called hacking your killer cells or the natural killer cells, the NKs. They're a type of lymphocyte, white blood cell, vital to the immune system. And again, they're produced by the bone marrow, the lymph nodes, the spleen, the thymus, and the tonsils. So again, it's more than inflammation to the tonsils. They actually produce white uh, blood cells, killer cells in our body too. But these uh, natural killer cells enter the bloodstream and they control tumor formation, microbial infection, and tissue damage, right? So you can see on how important those natural killer cells are. And the way to modulate and optimize those is exercise, massage. Stem cells will also increase your number of natural killer cells. Curcumin, zinc, selenium, melatonin, astaxanthin, astragalus, spirulina, Endographis. Endographis is one of those adaptogens that has been studied extensively recently. Aged garlic extract, echinacea, thymus peptides like epithalon and NAD plus are the compounds in the research that show the stimulation of natural killer cells in our body. So that's how we can really improve our white blood cells, white blood cell counts, and natural killer cells is by incorporating, again, the exercise, massage, and then the supplements or the compounds that are just listed that would help with white blood cells. So I did hear of NAD. I went to a clinic where they do the IV therapy, yes. and they were very excited about the NAD 
So I did try that. I guess normally maybe you do a series of it. I don't know if there's typically a reaction to it or if it's because I did also high dose vitamin C. Yes. Do you know of any reactions to that people? Adverse No, not really. But NAD plus is really a biohacking compound because it's involved in thousands of metabolic processes. Number one. Number two, it also is part of our DNA repair system. So when we are exposed to toxins and when we age and when we have free radicals or systemic inflammation or electromagnetic radiation from our phones and our devices and those types of things, we can get damage on a DNA level, you know. And so we constantly get DNA damage. And actually, what most people don't know, we have an innate DNA repair system. Our body itself can repair DNA that is damaged. However, in most people, that DNA repair system does not work because it needs fuel. And the fuel for our DNA repair system is NAD+. So if we have sufficient levels of NAD plus in our body, our body continues to repair the damage that has been done even on a cellular DNA level. Now, how can we increase NAD plus levels without getting an IV? It also exists in supplements. So you could get an NAD plus supplement that you take on a daily basis without getting an IV basically, but there's precursors to NAD plus. Uh, tryptophan is one of them. Doesn't produce a lot NAD plus, but it is recognized as a precursor. And then the number one precursor I would say is niacin. So niacin obviously is a dilator. It's good for your circulation, but at the same time, it produces NAD plus in your body. So niacin would be something to consider. And then the easiest way is the way what I do is hydrogen water. So hydrogen is known as the smallest molecule on the planet. It is also not charged because when we talk about antioxidants, you mentioned vitamin C is a powerful antioxidant. So is vitamin D, vitamin E, glutathione, etc. But all these antioxidants are charged. In other words, they cannot enter the cell. Only hydrogen H plus is able to enter the cell and protect our mitochondria, our DNA and our proteins inside the cell. So hydrogen plays a powerful role in our health, in our protection of our DNA, but it's also an antioxidant that can neutralize damage within the cell and obviously has a crucial role in producing NAD plus and NADPH. NADPH is something else. NADPH is the battery of our cells, basically an electron reservoir. Because for those that are listening, and this is interesting, that's why I like to talk about it. People always heard that we need antioxidants to neutralize those free radicals, right? Yeah. Uh, because an antioxidant can donate an electron to a free radical and then stabilize or neutralize it. But as soon as that antioxidant, like your vitamin C that you talked about, as soon as that oxidant donates an electron, it becomes useless. It's nothing else it can do anymore. But what if, what if we had a reservoir of elect electrons and your vitamin C gives away an electron but now gets another one. So it can continue, that same antioxidant can continue to neutralize free radicals. How powerful would that be? And that's how our body was designed. And therefore we need NADPH, which is the battery or the electron reservoir of our cells. So if you have optimal levels of NAD plus and NADPH in your body, you are neutralizing free radicals without taking an excess of antioxidants in your body because the same antioxidants can be used over and over again. 
And at the same time, you are repairing all the damage that has been done. And that's the power of NAD Plus and NAD pH. Again, hydrogen water would be the number one thing to do to uh, keep uh, adequate levels of NAD pH. So are you saying NAD pH and NAD need the vitamin C to all work together? Or you're saying without vitamin C at all? No, if you have I'm, adequate amounts yeah, of yeah. those two. What I'm saying is if, of course, we eat wholesome, healthy foods or we take supplements, antioxidants, and they will neutralize free radicals, but they cannot enter the cell. So within the cell, all these antioxidants we're taking, including vitamin C, cannot come to the rescue. We need H plus hydrogen to do that, number one. And then number two, what I'm saying is, yes, you take vitamin C. I do too, because we still want to neutralize free radicals outside of the cell. But you could increase the effectiveness of that vitamin C molecule by making sure you have enough NADPH because NADPH or the electron reservoir will keep giving that same vitamin C more and more electrons so it can keep doing its job. If you don't have that supply or those electrons in that reservoir, then your vitamin C molecule can neutralize one free radical and it's done. It becomes useless. But if our body can continue to give it another electron, another electron, another electron, then it can exponentially be more effective in neutralizing free radicals. Okay, perfect. Yes. Yeah, thank you. And then when you're talking about drinking that particular water, how are you getting that? There's basically two ways. The first way is under the sink is a water system. I have the Echo 2 water system which basically cleans your water like many reverse osmosis systems. So it does the same thing. It cleans the water from toxins and chlorine and those types of things, but infuses my water with hydrogen gas. And so now I, uh, I have basically energized or hydrogen water that I drink all the time. I never drink any type of other water, always drink hydrogen water. It has many other health benefits, but for the topic today, again, it's creating that NAD plus and NADPH, repairing DNA and providing extra electrons for our antioxidants to be effective. So the first thing to do is you can buy a piece of equipment for your drinking water. So on a daily basis, you can drink this hydrogen infused water. The other method is to buy a supplement. They're basically tablets that you put in your water. In my opinion, they're a little bit less effective, and it also gives your water a very metallic taste. Mm. Uh, But we really don't know how much hydrogen that we get, because when we put a tablet in, the H2O splits in H plus and oxygen, but we don't know how quickly it combines with oxygen again to make water again. So we don't have any control over that, but we are getting energized water. So it's certainly a good thing. In the long run, the units that you would buy in your home would be much more cost effective because you don't have to buy supplements every month. Yeah. So you said, again, the system you use, what is it called? It's the Echo 2 water system. I don't sell anything on my website, but I do have a shop here page, which are all the things that I use and that I recommend to my clients and mentees. And so if you go to biohackingunlimited.com, there's a shop here page. You can find the Echo 2 water system. And if you buy it from there, you will get a discount. The proceeds that I get always go to charity, so I'm not making money on supplements or books. All the proceeds that I get are the kickbacks that I personally would get always go to Children Incorporated, a U.S. charity for children. 
That's awesome. So you're a philanthropist on top of all the other things you do. Well, it's one of those things, you know, when you talk about supplements or equipment that would help with your health, a lot of people immediately assume, oh, he's trying to make money. And so uh, a few decades ago when I had supplements and I uh, I got those comments, I said, you know what, making $5 profit on a supplement is not going to change my life, period. And therefore, I decided to get the proceeds, even of my books, because as you know, the others don't make the money. It's usually the publisher or other people that make the money. And so a dollar here and there is not changing my life. And therefore, I made it very clear that all proceeds go to charity. That way, people know I'm not pushing supplements or books or technologies for the mere financial benefit. I actually don't make any money on those. Yeah. So you're doing it truly because it benefits others in some way. Correct. So now we'll move on to number three of the immune system. Well, there's the spleen, and the spleen actually is the uh, storage for the white blood cells. There's really not what we can do except for live healthy <laughs> and make sure our body's not overburdened, digestive system not overburdened. We got to keep our systemic inflammation in our body low. We can measure that with a blood test. CRP, C-reactive protein, is an indicator of our inflammation in our body. So by upgrading our diet and our body and making sure our body works in balance, our spleen will be doing just fine. Then the next step is the skin. Again, skin is our biggest organ. The way to protect that is stop putting toxins on it, such as sunscreens and beauty products and being exposed to, again, beauty products, but also cleaning products in the house, exposed to extreme sun heat and sunlight. So we need to protect our skin from the outside and nourish it from the inside. A lot of people, and in this case, especially women, when we talk about beauty, it would be much more beneficial in the long run to live a healthy lifestyle because that will show up in your skin. A toxic lifestyle will also show up in your skin. And you can try to, again, work on the symptoms with beauty products and Botox and fillers and things like that. But ultimately, if you want real results, you will have to nourish the skin from the inside. And so a healthy skin will keep those toxins with those millions and millions of T-cells, soldiers, out of our body. But the last one is the most important one, right, is the gut. The gut is 60 to 70% of our immune system. So what we really need to do is making sure that we have a healthy microbiome. And we just talked about hydrogen water. Guess what hydrogen water does? It keeps our environment in our gut uh, optimal. Uh, because I do treat a lot of people with Crohn's disease, even mm -hmm. celiac disease, which is considered genetic. But then there's the science of epigenetics. So genetic predisposition never should be a, an excuse to live with something. You just got to make a few modifications and change that for you and for the next seven generations or whatever. But when people have food intolerances, whether it's gluten or lactate or lactose or whether it's Crohn's disease or indigestion or heartburn, whatever it may be, many times the doctor will advise a certain diet, especially with more severe things like IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease, etc. And many times it doesn't get any results. And the reason for that is because if our micro voltage, our electrical potential in the gut is too low, then our good bacteria, which are the anaerobic bacteria, cannot colonize. And therefore, the bad bacteria are the winners. They're in control. And that's why we have all the symptoms. 
And so the easiest and probably the only way to establish an environment in which our good bacteria can colonize is hydrogen. So again, there's hydrogen water because when I put my patients or clients on hydrogen water for two to three weeks, their micro voltage in their gut goes to 300, even 400 millivolts, which again is suitable for healthy bacteria to colonize. So now the diet or the probiotic supplements suddenly start to work because ah. we have a suitable environment for that, right? And so the hydrogen also will fix or help with leaky gut syndrome and those types of things. So hydrogen, again, becomes one of those things to at least create a proper environment that is suitable for healing. Um, so how are you testing the electrical, what did you call it? Electrical potential. Well, you know, as a consumer, we really can't test that in research. You can do gut biomes and see what your gut consists of. So basically, the way to find out if it worked is that suddenly the good bacteria are present and your symptoms simply disappeared. Because I had clients that after two, three weeks, they could even start eating the foods again they couldn't eat before just because we balanced their guts and reestablished that environment. So when you mentioned that number 400, where are you getting it from? Do you have a particular way of testing well, it? That's, that just, that's just the science that says that your good bacteria only can colonize anaerobic bacteria in an environment of 300 millivolts or higher. Okay. So there's no way for anyone to specifically test that on themselves. I don't think so. No, but your symptoms okay. will tell you. Uh, yeah. Again, your immune system will tell you. If you always get sick, you may have to look at your gut because it's 60, 70% part of your immune system is the gut. And number two, if you have any gut problems, any acid reflux, indigestion, Crohn's disease, food intolerances, those are your indicators right there. And in two or three weeks, you can get rid of those. Speaking of Crohn's, because my brother has that, so I'm curious anytime someone has a solution for that issue. So you have worked with people with Crohn's and you've been able to help them with that? Correct. Was it through that water? The water is part of it because if you don't have the environment, it doesn't matter what supplements or diet modifications you give those people, Right. So yeah. yes, number one, you got to establish the environment. And then it's about, okay, now we have an environment. So now let's get the good bacteria in there. So now we're talking about probiotics or fermented foods. And then it also depends what else is going on. Do we need to really heal the gut? In the past, I put some people on colostrum, which is basically from uh, breast milk from the mothers, right? So what else is going on or what else is the diagnosis that we can not only reestablish a good environment and put probiotics and fermented foods in that once the environment is established, before it's reestablished, it's all going to be useless, those probiotics and those fermented foods. But once it's reestablished, that's when, you know, those probiotics and anaerobic bacteria can multiply and establish a balance in the gut, which is going to, you know, have amazing results on your immune system, but also reverse your digestive problems, your Crohn's disease, et cetera. That's amazing. A new piece of information there. So yeah. thank you for that. Not uh, only for Crohn's, but for people in general. Yes. So were there any last things regarding those six? Well, yeah. I mean, the gut, you know, so if you have gut problems, 
then you need to consider that hydrogen water. But if you don't have gut problems and you want to, because we're talking today about optimize your immune system, then we need to make sure we give our gut the good bacteria so they can continue to neutralize the bad ones in the gut. So yes, we should have a daily intake of some fermented foods. We all know about the dill, pickle, sauerkraut, kimchi, good ones, obviously, or corella and blue-green algae, spirulina, kombucha tea. I actually have a kombucha in my house on tap. You know, you could consider probiotic supplements, but I think it would be better to have fermented foods in your house. I'm not a fan of dairy. I think dairy is poison. So if I say fermented, I wouldn't think dairy and fermented. I would think plant and fermented. Uh, and then yeah. there's many fibers. Fiber is another key component for healthy digestion, right? Now we talk more about our intestines. So make sure you get fiber every day. And of course, if you eat your fruits and vegetables, there's no problem, but most people don't. So we talk about psyllium husk. We talk about oat bran. We talk about pectin and prunes. Pectin, obviously, you know, the skin of our apples, for example, prunes. Magnesium always is a great supplement to take, not just for our gut health and detoxifying purposes, but for many other things. In my opinion, there's many types of magnesium. I take magnesium trionate, which has been chosen to be absorbed best by our body and even our brain, because magnesium also is an alternative for antidepressants. There's many studies that magnesium can help with depression but it has to be able to enter the brain. So magnesium trionate would be the best one there. And uh, many people, our gut is toxic. So another thing to consider is if you're overweight, if you're really living a toxic, unhealthy lifestyle, maybe before reestablishing a healthy environment, maybe gut it out first, gut out the gut, detoxify it, get rid of a lot of things. So then consider ginger and fennel and licorice and maybe even kelp and detox programs are out there to really clean it first before you try to reestablish a healthy environment. So when it comes to detoxing, I've heard people go through the process of sort of from the ground up, like, like an enema. Yeah, <laughs> well, an enema is helpful, but I mean, doing the I don't know if it's the liver first. I can't remember the colon first, and then up to the lymph system. Yes, doing the lymph last. That all makes sense, right? Because otherwise you're going to pour those toxins from the liver back into the lymph system after you clean it. So it could be a hierarchy approach, I agree. Okay. The gut and the intestines would be kind of your priority when it comes to the immune system to get those cleaned out and detoxified. Yeah. And there are so many detox protocols out there and yeah. you walk into a health food store and there's so many different ones, but how do you go about getting a quality detox protocol? Well, a good functional medicine doctor, a good coach, a good mentor like myself or many others, or ask the right questions when you find something online, see what other people saying about it, making sure there's no harmful substances there. Because again, there's programs out there that use medicines, <laughs> which is yeah. putting toxins into remove toxins. So just use a little bit of your common sense. But if it's harmless, you can always try it and see what the result is. But again, there's plenty of coaches, functional medicine doctors and practitioners out there that could guide you in the right direction if you need to. If you want to save money instead of spend money on detoxing, fasting would be another option. Fasting is one of the most powerful detox and reset buttons that you can utilize. Are you talking about intermittent fasting or like a two-day 
complete. Yeah, uh, again, it depends on how bad the situation is. So if you're really in a, in a poor health situation, then it would be good to do a fasting until completion, which is not easy to do. But I do intermittent fasting all the time. You know, I always say it's like a supermarket, right? Whatever supermarket you go during the night, they're restocking. Imagine that you don't restock for two days. There won't be any food in the shelves left and Publix will have to close, right? It's the same with our body. We're using energy. We are breaking down tissue. And so during the night when we're in a deep delta sleep, we need to repair and replenish, not just repair, but also replenish, restock and renew, right? If something's breaking down, then we need to renew it and then we need to repair it and replenish it. And so we need to allow our body that rest and that deep sleep to do that. And fasting is basically a period in which you are not destroying when you are not using energy and everything can rest and replenish and repair at an exponential rate versus just your sleep. And most people don't sleep good, so they really are not repairing all that well and replenishing all that well. So fasting is also very healing to people that would have cysts and tumors and those types of things because when the body doesn't have the daily activities of mostly digestion, it can really attend to the things that have been put to the side. Because when our toxins are floating around in our body and the body cannot eliminate them, they are neutralized in different ways. They're encapsulated, they're cysts, they're tumors, mm. whether benign or whether they're dangerous, our body now can attend to those things. So fasting has many, many benefits, including a detox benefit. Yeah, that's great. And it's a great point about how your body will try and encapsulate it, but then that turns into some kind of tumor or cyst or something. Yes. I did for a long time a 16-hour intermittent fasting. And once you do it for a few days, oh, it's really not a big deal. It's a like habit. It's, yeah, people think 16 hours is so long, but by the time you sleep through the night and you just eat later in the day, like you're not yeah, starving. You just got to skip breakfast and breakfast is the least important meal in the day anyways. It's always been a big hoax that breakfast is important. It's certainly not. And if you think about it, we only should, and I know I always get a lot of resistance here, but you know, from a pure biology, physiological point of view, we only should eat once a day. So did Jesus, so did the Romans, so did the Greeks, and so do all animals in the wild. And so is our digestive system designed and our physiology designed. It's the propaganda, it's the big commerce that wants us to eat cereals and milk and bacon in the morning and wants us to have lunch. And they want people that work out in the gym, they think they need to eat five slow meals and they use the cortisol as a reason to do that. And it's all a hoax. They're all stories. Our digestive system is only designed to digest one meal per day. And so we overburden it all the time. And so ideally, in my opinion, in this society, you eat your meal early in the evening. So you allow plenty of time, four, five, six hours for complete digestion. So you can get into a deep sleep. If you eat too close to going to sleep, then your body is working and you can't get into that recovery stage, replenishment or repairing stage because you're still working, right? And so once you wake up in the morning, now your body has all these nutrients from that meal. And so now you are ready to expand energy. Why would you start with burdening your system with another meal? And I usually give the example of lunch too, because when people work eight to five and they go out for lunch and they come back to work, how do they feel? 
They're sloppy. Yeah. They feel they want to take a nap. Why? Because all your energy needs to go do digestion. So now you're going to do, excuse my language, two half-assed jobs. Your digestion can't be done properly. And you're not going to perform well in the afternoon at work. You're not going to be focused. You're not going to be performing. And that's why I always say, look at animals in the wild. Animals in the wild always give you the correct answer. What do they do after their one meal per day? Take a they long go lay nap. under a tree in the shade and do nothing because that energy needs to be all there for proper digestion, right? Once they digest it, they may go on the next day for another hunt to kill their prey or just grass for a few hours and then again, rest. Yeah, I think it is just retraining your brain. You know, so many times we eat so yes. unconsciously. Well, people don't know the difference between or don't realize the difference between hunger and appetite, right? We have an appetite. We're addicted to this food. We never talk about food as an addiction. We talk about drugs and smoking and drinking. And yet food is the number one, right? They put all these sugars and additives in there that we crave. Because even if you have a breakfast at home, and this is most people, and they come to work, but somebody brought in a box of donuts and you smell them and they're still warm. What do you do? Or what people <laughs> tend to do is grab for one. Is that because you're hungry? No, it's the appetite. So we need to distinguish between hunger and appetite. Yeah. A lot of people, it's boredom or it's just yeah. habit. Compensation, yeah. emotional eating. It's all those things. It makes us feel good. It's a dopamine squirt. Dopamine is the reward hormone. So when we feel lonely, when we're bored, when we're depressed, when we're anxious, food is one of those devices that gives that short-term squirt of dopamine, which is the feel-good hormone. And so, yes, many times it's used, again, in the wrong way. It's not because we're hungry. So. And do you have any last thing you want to say to the listeners regarding optimizing their health or maybe why they should want to? <laughs> Well, you know, of course they have to because, number one, we're all here with a purpose on this planet. Most of us are not living our purpose. We're going with the motions. We're pushed in a certain direction by society, our parents, and we're just going through the motions. And maybe most of us know our superpower, but we're barely tapping into it. And what I try to do is get you excited and get you realize what your purpose is and get fire in your stomach and unleash your superpowers because the world needs everybody's superpowers. But when you're in ill health, you can't be Superman or Superwoman, right? So health becomes a part of it. We need to upgrade your body. We need to upgrade your mind, which many times is forgotten. You talked about meditation. The mind not only controls the body, but the mind is also the blueprint to your success or failure. So I work really with people on the mindset, tapping into the different brain waves, visualization, manifestation eliminating your false core beliefs so we can reach your goals and your dreams. So my message would be, is let's stop being ordinary. Let's step out of the comfort zone because that's where you discover yourself. That's where you grow. That's where you can unleash your superpowers. So let's be extraordinary. And if you need help, I can help with that. I love that. That's a fantastic answer to a simple question. So you have written a number of books. Do you want to say what they are and then tell people where they can find you and find the products that you use yeah. and any other information or if they want to work with you? Yes, yeah, sure. I think I have eight books. They're all on Amazon. They're also on my website. The latest was a bestseller. It's about electromagnetic radiation and how to shield ourselves from it. 
and uh, repair our DNA, which we talked about today. That was a bestseller on Amazon called EMR, The Invisible Threat. My latest book, I think, obviously, is the best one. It's called The IZOT Method, Unleash Your Superpower. It's about optimizing productivity and focus, freeing up valuable time, living stress-free, upgrading your body and your mind, living your purpose. It's a great book. There's a lot of health tips in there, but it's also about getting out of your comfort zone, living your purpose, taking control of your life because control creates clarity. Clarity reduces stress. It talks about smart drugs, nootropics, ADHD, depression. I mean, it's just a great book. And there's many other health-related books. Like you said, the immune system is there. The stem cell book is there. My first book was Health for Life, which gives a lot of health principles that I think people should know about. So yeah, the books are there. So I think the best place for people to go is my website, which is biohackingunlimited.com. All the books are there. My speaker's bio is there. I have mentorship programs. I'm sure there's one that may fit your needs. So check out the mentorship programs. You can schedule a free 20-minute Zoom call with me in person to just tell me what's going on and what your goals or dreams are, whether that's health-wise or business-wise or personal life-wise, because I coach in all those areas. Uh, I think right now, if you sign up for my free newsletter, you get a free PDF of this latest book, so you don't have to buy it. So yeah, check out the website. Uh, That's where most of the information is, biohackingunlimited.com. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time and for everything you do, everything you put out there, not only the information, but also toward charity. I think that's awesome. Marta, I like to thank you too, because yes, I like to get my word out and help people, but without people like you who spent their time getting the word out to their audiences, it's teamwork. And so thank you also. Be sure and follow Open-Minded Healing so you'll get every new episode as soon as it's released each Tuesday. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.